You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 137. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, we start by introducing our new webinar series. We're very excited about that. Our dog of the week is Zebic Absorption, symbol XBC on the TSX, a market darling in 2020 and to start 2021, which saw its share price cut and drop over 60% from its highs after reporting a revenue shortfall. Zebec is a provider of clean energy solutions for renewable and low-carbon gases used in energy, mobility, and industry applications, industry applications. The company specializes in deploying a portfolio of proprietary technologies for the distribution production of hydrogen, renewable, natural gas, oxygen, and nitrogen. Is the drop an opportunity or a sign of things to come? We let you know. In our Ask Us Anything segment, we talk about a recent survey of uh, adults conducted by Bloomberg, which found that one in 10 Americans are unfamiliar with cryptocurrencies with nearly half of the respondents saying that they had only heard of some coins such as Bitcoin and Ethereum. And 61% of those who had heard of cryptos admitted that they had no idea how it actually worked. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we answer a listener question on Mean Inc., symbol M-E-N-E, on the TSX Venture, a Canadian small cap with strong revenue growth. Mean designs, manufactures, and markets gold and platinum jewelry. Customers buy jewelry, monitor the value of their collection, and sell or exchange their pieces by gram and weight, gram weight sorry, at prevailing market prices. We'll let you know if this interesting business offers any value in its current range. Welcome, Brennan and uh, Aaron. How are you guys doing? Doing well. You can't complain. Very lovely. Good, 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 good. Yeah, lovely. Nice, nice. Uh, we're going to kick off our uh, new webinar series, Simple Advice to Position Your Portfolio for the Next Decade, live webinars, April 6th, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific Time, and April 13th, which is uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, or 7 p.m. Eastern, right? Correct. Brennan, I believe. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, w- what we're going to talk about, let's talk about that simple portfolio building plan. Our simple portfolio building plan had designed to enrich you, not your advisor. We show investors how to save on fees, focus on buying great businesses. That's really the key here, designed to grow and pay dividends over the long term. We've got some special topics this time around. We're going to give our market outlook, essentially whether or not we think the markets are cheap or expensive today or somewhere in the middle. Get our take on both the bull and bear cases for the market going forward and how you should position your portfolio. One of the interesting segments that we're going to look at, I'm going to spearhead this segment, is why 
Two or three great investment ideas can change your life. This is not something you will hear from traditional big bank advisors. It's something that we believe you should definitely take advantage of. I will give you some real world examples, including how through our research, just $20,000 invested in the Boyd Group uh, became $2 million in 12 years, or how $20,000 invested in Expel became around seven hundred fifty to 800000 in just over three years. Now, find out how we uncover these great stocks and what to look for in capital compounding investments such as Boyd's Excel, Expel, what we look for. Basically, too... To find these companies, but also how to structure your portfolio to take advantage of these type of great businesses. Now, if you are with a typical big bank advisor, even if one of these companies makes it into your portfolios, maybe indirectly, which is unlikely because neither of them had any coverage from the big banks, no advisors, none of the boutique uh, advisor firms had any coverage when we recommended them. But it would make little difference even if it was in your portfolio because it is then likely one of 100 or 300 stocks that you owned indirectly. Now, it is crazy to me that these two tremendous capital compounding investments in Boyd and Expel were basically, it took five years of massive gains for most Bay Street analysts to even start looking at Boyd. And it is still today lightly covered in Canadian uh, big bank advisor portfolios. Because And it's been the best performing stock in Canada for about 12 years now. Expel literally was never covered by any bank or boutique brokerage firm in Canada. Despite the fact this stock has now graduated to the NASDAQ, is up over 4,000% in less than four years. It's never been recommended by a big bank advisor in Canada. Why not? Uh, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. It's never needed any money. So the big banks, how do they make their money? We talk about this all the time. Not as much from you, advising you on what to do in your portfolio, but they make it by raising capital for these companies. Well, Expel hasn't needed to finance itself. It's grown internally from internally generated cash flow, massive cash generator, and it is not needed financing. So the big banks don't bother to cover it. They don't bring it to you and it's not found in your portfolios. That's how they're doing you a disservice. They're making money off the companies that need money, but often those aren't the companies that uh, you want in your portfolios. We'll show you how you can take advantage of these companies, how only one or two in your entire investment career can make a massive difference. It's something that is not talked about enough in financial circles or when you're planning your portfolio, and we'll touch on that topic. More topics we'll look at. Uh, Brennan, you had, we're going to talk about Bitcoin really slightly here, um, what it is and if it's right for your portfolio. You found an article this week. Yeah. Do you want to get into that quickly? Yeah, definitely. So, so there was a, a Bloomberg survey that was conducted with around 2,000 adults, and they found that one in 10 Americans are unfamiliar with cryptocurrencies. Um, now, with nearly half of the respondents saying that they had only heard of some of the coins, such as Bitcoin and Ethereum, and really, how can you not? It's all over the news. Um, now, 61% of those who had heard of crypto admitted that they had no idea how it actually worked. Now, I too could admit that I didn't understand cryptocurrencies and blockchain until quite recently when I had a phone call with one of our clients who was also bringing some great questions to the table that I was unsure of myself and unable to answer. 
like how do crypto miners actually mine the crypto and get paid or how does an investor gain exposure to crypto? Now, with so many market participants questioning whether they should add crypto to their portfolio, I thought it would be wise to teach our upcoming webinar attendees what it is and whether we think it's right for your portfolio. So I put that in Ryan and Aaron's ear uh, that I think that it's, it's a great piece of, of uh, information that we can uh, get out to uh, uh, to, to some investors. Now, don't get me wrong, this upcoming webinar is not specifically about cryptocurrency. It's just a tiny little piece, uh, but it is a great piece of information that I believe would be valuable to many. Um, now, just building off of this, uh, like I would like to ask Ryan and Aaron, are you guys surprised uh, by how many people have no idea how cryptocurrency works, considering what it, what, how much we hear about it? Again, can, I, can, I, can I start this one? Sorry, what, Brennan or Aaron? Yeah, what did you say, Aaron? Sorry. I was asking you to tell me what what is the what is the figure? How many people so admit that they don't know? Sixty one percent. So sixty one percent, yes, of those who had heard of crypto say that they don't know how have it works. No idea, how right? It works. So the other thirty nine percent believe they do know how it works, no. <laughs> or are lying. Like, yeah, yeah I, I would probably yeah, I put it at three point nine percent, closer to three point nine percent than thirty nine percent. Since they didn't actually have to explain how it worked, they just think that they know how it works. It's pretty complicated. I mean, you can you could do a little bit of research and within, you know, an hour or something, you can have a very, very extremely basic knowledge on how cryptocurrency works. But to actually understand how the mining, um, it, all, all of that works, the consensus protocols, all that works. I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty complicated. But anyways. Sure. You know, I, I've... I'm not surprised at all uh, because of the complication, but just because of uh, like I've talked to investors for 23, 25 years. Right. And um, a understanding what a stock is, is far less complicated. And I'm going to tell you, there's a significant percentage of even investors, but also just the lay person out there that don't understand what a stock is. So it does not surprise me and a stock's just a business and when you're buying shares it's a small ownership position in those businesses but if they don't understand that um they certainly don't understand cryptocurrency so uh for us having a basic understanding or at least a team behind you that has a basic understanding of any investment that you are investing in and make sure they do have that understanding would be critical to plunking your hard-earned dollars down on any investment. So it's good to be aware, at least, of um, what you are investing in. For sure. Anyway, some some other hot topics we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about cannabis stocks. Uh, we continue to see strength in the U.S. Uh, the, are there now opportunities in Canada? We're going to talk about the Canadian segment as well. There per, appears to be potentially some opportunities. We still... and. You know, the way we have invested in companies are U.S. producers or U.S. integrateds in the U.S., and that's where we've had significant success with names like TrueLeaf. Now, Wall Street bets, we're going to really quickly touch on this because it's topical. Really, the good, the bad, and some of the ugly here that you really don't hear about as much. Uh, renewable and clean tech, we're going to talk about opportunities going forward in geothermal, solar, hydro, wind, nuclear power, which might be right for your portfolio, which to avoid. We look at telehealth and health tech, the shift to online, in-home healthcare, where the opportunities may occur. Talk about some companies that we've already benefited from in this segment. Uh, you know, companies that we've talked about on the podcast before, Viamed, which has done you know tremendously well for us, and whether or not there's growth going forward. 
And are gold stocks right for your portfolio? Everybody always asks us about gold stocks and where you should be invested. Maybe they're not. Maybe they are. We'll let you know in this seminar. Uh, we're also going to give you that DIY starter portfolio that we do every year. Full details and analysis on new four to six new great stocks to help that you can buy in your portfolio today uh, to give you an idea of you know why you should maybe listen to our portfolio, our DIY portfolios. Our April 2020 DIY portfolio has gained over 70% since this time last year. So there's some unique, new, profitable companies, dividend growth stocks, and just growth stocks generally that we'll put in that portfolio for all attendees. We're going to have a 45-minute Q&A session at the end following the webinar. Myself and Aaron answering any and all your questions on the webinar, stocks, investment strategies, giving you, if you've got a stock that you want us to look at, we'll take a quick look at that and give you our answer on whether we think it's a uh, buy, hold, or sell right now in the market. So ask us those questions all at the end of the seminar. So it should be very interesting. Aaron, are you pumped for it? Oh, I'm always pumped. I'm always pumped for it. Now, I'm excited because every time we do a new round of DIY events, um, we're always changing things. We're always adapting it, making it better, uh, You know, focusing on the, the specific information that we think is easy to understand and actionable and is going to provide the best value to the attendees. I mean, really, you talked about the starter portfolio 70% up in the last year. Every time... We do a DIY event. We review the performance of the starter portfolio from the year before, and the returns have been fantastic. So since we've started doing DIYs, um, which was, what, three, four years ago or more? Um, yeah, we originally did them in person. We'd like to at some point get back, but you know, we're doing them online. It gives everybody the ability to access them from anywhere in the world. We have people from all over the world logging in, which is awesome. You can do it in your underwear. So much simpler. You know, so uh, I hope you're not doing it in your underwear because that's well, uh, you know, as long as the top half of me is closed, getting into my head when I'm in the middle of none of us do, none of us do in the webinar. So, as long as the top half, the top half is closed, we're all good, right? Yeah, yeah, but I I mean, just the starter portfolio alone is Is well worth being an attendee. I mean, beyond just worth it. Um, just the 45 minute. Q&A, 30 to 45 minute Q&A as well is worth it just unto itself. And then the content before the starter portfolio really summarizes what we've learned in now almost 25 years of, of uh, working in the market, analyzing stocks, making recommendations that work for our clients and navigating our clients through uh, three financial crises. So it's, it's you know, you, you add these things together and it's, uh, I, I, I think everybody should want to attend. Yeah, I think the Q and A. Yeah, is we're not biased value. at all. I think the Q and A is high value. <laughs> I mean, every single time that I watch it, I even you know, oh, I even take away some you know, I learn something all the time you know from you if guys. Somebody comes up with a unique company, and we, you know, mm-hmm. you know, or or you know, somebody asks about a company in the past, and you know, okay, we say yeah, it's actually in our coverage now, and it has a buy, and you get some value information there. Uh, it's it's great to uh, do those Q and As, and it you know pose any question and it shows you that we actually are looking at you know 3,000 plus companies in Canada every year because we'll have a book on those companies when you ask those questions and, that's just and if Canada, we don't we can get back the, to the US yeah 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 the US another 3,000 oh. I mean yeah. I just went through a thousand US listed dividend pairs and we're putting yeah. out a report um, hopefully within the next week to 10 days on that that was just that's just one special report and I'll probably talk about the 
the the um, summary, what we've learned from that report and some of the companies when we do our DIY as well. Yeah, and then we just put out a cash rich report, right? And it's a we go through three thousand plus Canadian companies. Um, look at good growth, profitability, net net cash positions in those businesses. And the proof is in the results. One of our recommendations, we only give a couple recommendations every year, but one of our recommendations at this time last year in our cash rich report was Adcor. I mean, the stock was just up over 200% over the past year. Good, solid, unknown businesses with cash in the bank and are growing their revenues and growing profitability. Those are the type of businesses that we like to bring to our clients. And that's what you know we do in these special reports. And when you look at that many companies, you know we came out with uh, three or four new buys this year, just came out to our clients. Stocks are already performing well. It's because they're good, solid businesses growing their cash flow. We hit people over the head with this all the time. But that's what you want in your portfolio and structuring your portfolio with 15 to 25 stocks that meet that profile. That is how we believe that you will beat the market over the long term. Now, let's we're, I think segueing into this company uh, that we have talked about here in the past. It's Zebic Absorption. We've interviewed management. Aaron will get into that. It's our dog this week. From our stars and dog segment, it's time for this week's dog. <laughs> And we're going to have some good debate on it. So, Aaron, you want to take that one to start? <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, Zebic Absorption, the symbol is XBC on the TSX exchange. Uh, currently trades for about $4.75 per share. It's a total market value the company has of about $675 million right now. Zebic is a global provider of clean energy solutions for renewable and low carbon gases used in energy, mobility, and industry applications. The company specializes in deploying a portfolio of proprietary technologies for the distributed production of hydrogen, renewable natural gas, oxygen, and nitrogen. Zebic stock is down 45% over the last three trading days after the company revised its 2020 guidance and no longer expects to achieve its full year revenue of 70 to 80 million for 2020. The stock is down over 60% since it hit its all time high of 1120 on January 18th. Zebic has been a major clean tech success story over the last two years. In 2020, the company saw its, saw its stock price soar nearly 300%. We actually liked the business and had a face-to-face -face meeting with the CEO when we attended the LD Micro Conference in December of 2019. At the time, revenue had doubled relative to the previous year, and while Zebic was not yet profitable, the company was able to lay out a very plausible plan for continued revenue growth and a transition into profitability. Unfortunately, this never happened. The company initially set its revenue guidance for 2020 at 80 to 90 million, which would have implied growth of 60 to 80% in revenue over the previous year. Revenue guidance was then re reduced to 80 to 70 to 80 million for 2020 after the release of the Q3 report just in November. The most recent update, which was released last Friday, adjusted the, gu the guidance down once again to $57 million for the year, which implies no growth or very little growth, rather, over 2019. The new guidance implies $7 million in revenue for Q4 2020, which would be a year-over-year -year decline of nearly 50% and a quarter-over-quarter -quarter decline of about 42%. 
With the stock down over 60% from its highs, does this make Zebek a buy for investors looking to get into the clean tech space? My answer to this question is no. There are three major issues that I see here. First is that the company is not making money, meaning no net profit, no cash flow. And we have no sense of when this is going to change. At Keystone, profitability from current operations is our minimum criteria for investment. We maintain these criteria for good reasons. One of, the most, one of the most important is that a company without profitability has not yet validated its business model. There are enough profitable, growth-oriented businesses out there to invest in that we don't see a need to speculate on companies that aren't making money. Second is that we have a big problem with companies that miss their guidance by such a wide margin. We understand the missed guidance that was provided pre-COVID. We certainly give companies a pass on this. Nobody was expecting the pandemic to happen. But just in November, the company implied that it was expecting 20 to 30 million in revenue for the fourth quarter. And only months later, they dropped that expectation down to 7 million in revenue. They were already halfway through Q4 in November when they made that previous revision. So missing their guidance by this, by this magnitude really is unacceptable to us and it has us questioning management's credibility. Third is that even with the 60% decline from its highs, Zebic still doesn't look that cheap. We felt that the company was grossly overvalued and trading on pure speculation when it was close to its highs. We can't value this company based on earnings and cash flow because it has none. But the company still has a market value of around $675 million. Relative to the sales that they're expecting for 2020, that puts their valuation to revenue at a price to sales of about 12 times. There's no way for us to determine, to determine when the company will actually start making money, earnings and cash flow. And we really believe that management has lost a lot of credibility by missing their guidance so massively. So this may be a company that can turn itself around at some point over the next several quarters here. We will continue to monitor it, monitor it, but there are just too many problems with the story right now for us to consider it investable. Yeah, no, it's a great summary. Um, you know, this is a company that we've been asked about many times by clients over the past year or two years. Uh, in fact, we had a client reach out to us several times at the start of this year because their broker was pounding the table essentially to buy Zebic. You got to have Zebic in your portfolio. It was in the 10 to $11 range. And again, we ran the numbers for the client. Uh, you know, the stock that we like the business, we like the potential, uh, but it was very expensive. And we, you know, there's a history of overpromising and underdelivering that is now developing here with this business. Uh, we said not to buy because of that, pricey and because of that. Now, I'll give you more examples of them over-promising and under-delivering. May, 20, May 28th, 2019, current guidance and market guidance from the company. We maintain our guidance of 45 million Canadian and earnings per share guidance in the range of 10 to 13 cents EPS for 2019. Well, less than three months later, on August 9th or 13th, in 2019, the company said, we are adjusting our EPS range to between $0.07 cents and $0.10 cents from 10 and 13 so a significant downgrade in terms of EPS. They said, due to the higher shares outstanding uh, from our July 2019 equity raise. Well, 
if you grow by acquisition and you grow by issuing equity to purchase those acquisitions, it should be factored into your numbers in terms of guidance going forward. Regardless, let's see what they actually did in 2019. So, you know, in May, they were talking about doing 10 to 13 cents. They revised that lower to seven to 10 cents. So for the year, they actually did three cents in terms of earnings. Revenues came in actually above the 45 million Canadian, but the earnings were three cents where they had guided in May to 10 to 13 cents and even downgraded that in August to seven to 10 cents. So that is a significant EPS miss for the year. And it's played out again this year in terms of their missing their guidance, which is now becoming a pattern from management and is something that puts the company in the penalty box. Now, when you have a stock trading at premium valuations and they continually overpromise and underperform, a stock gets punished. And that is why you know, that is why we sh- stay away from companies that continually do this over time, even if they're in a hot sector, even if all the brokers out there are recommending this. What we don't want to do is have 15 to 25 stocks with this profile relative to 15 to 25 stocks that are trading at reasonable prices, are profitable, and hitting or exceeding their guidance over the long term. That type of company will do far better in your portfolio with far less risk than a company that does the opposite. So this is a good, we believe, teaching point when we're looking at this company. Now, there's probably 90% of the market that is worse than Zbeck. They don't have any revenue, in this, particularly in the small cap sector. So we're not saying that Zbeck is the worst company out there. But it's certainly in the penalty box right now because of the fact that management has consistently over the past two years overpromised and now underdelivered and that is why you see the stock getting punished. So that is why, you know, at the start of this year with the stock trading in the 10 to $11 range and our clients saying we've got to get in on this company, their brokers are telling them that uh, when it's very pricey and has that history of underperforming, we avoid a company like that. And what you've done since the start of this year is avoided 60% plus losses, which really hurts your portfolio. Exactly. And someone ended up uh, saying on social media, they ended up commenting on one of our videos and saying that we were wrong on XBC. Uh, because, oh, Aaron's going to love that. Because we said that we were going to stay on the <laughs> sideline because of the valuation and whatnot. Uh, and of course, the stock continued to go up. Now, first off, we weren't right or wrong. Essentially, we are just mitigating our risk. We're... we're we're mitigating our downside and trying to pay a reasonable price for a company. Now, we just can't pay any price, you know, as Ryan has said many times, Aaron said many, many times. And now there's a history of missing targets with this company, which, of course, we just can't, you know, forget. Yeah, I mean, all right, I'm going to, in terms of us being wrong, <laughs> somebody saying that we're wrong, we're not, we're not wrong. Unless we say the stock is going to go down within the next six months by 30% and that doesn't happen, we're not wrong. We're not saying that the stock is going to go down or that the stock is going to go up. We're saying that based on our analysis, we have identified certain risk factors that we find unacceptable. Exactly. Okay. So unless we make a mistake in that analysis and one of those risk factors that we believe exists does not exist, we're not wrong. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong because I think that being wrong is always a good learning experience. Um, of course, but, yes. You know, when you're when you're investing in the market, you know, 
there, there's no the stock goes up so you're wrong not to buy it. Well, I mean the stock can go up for six months and then it can it can crash down to almost zero immediately afterwards, right? So it's it's important to understand. I mean, if I say you shouldn't gamble your life savings on one hand of blackjack and you go out and do it and you're happy enough, you're 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 lucky enough to win, does that mean that my advice was wrong? No. Just dead wrong, Eric. Yeah, How no, could you say that? That, that is good terrible. Enough. My advice was still right. It's a stupid thing to do. You just happen yes. to be lucky mm-hmm. um, and be on the winning side of that hand, right? And that's the same thing with investing, making decisions on investments. Like we're going to make calls on companies. We're going to say, you know, we don't like this company, but we, you'll never hear us say this company's share price is going to fall apart because we, we don't know. All we can say is that the risks are unacceptable relative to the opportunity. Yeah. Well I mean, it's such a good point and you, you said it really well. And uh, I think it, it makes it simple for somebody to understand what we're trying to say. We're trying to mitigate risk. And if they're unacceptable for us, then we're not going to be invested in that company. doesn't mean it's a terrible company. doesn't mean it's not going to do well, but we just like one of the things that I hit people over the head with this If we're looking at adding 15 to 25 stocks to our portfolio, we need a profile of those stocks that is going to set up your portfolio to have a fighting chance of being successful over time. If it's with a company that has a profile of under-promising, under-delivering, and is very pricey, that is not setting you up. That one company may do well, just like that one blackjack hand may do well, but you're not making a good bet. Make 15 to 25 good investments we don't hate to call them bets but you know bets in your portfolio make 15 to 25 good investments that's how to structure your portfolio we'll hammer that on the set and the seminars the webinars that we do we'll talk about that every week as well in the podcast and i think it's something that is really um under talked about and something that we can bring to the table that is so much different from what you get from a typical advisor and we're going to always talk about that and aaron said we will be wrong you know we're happy to be wrong in some companies and admit that we're wrong but we're trying to mitigate some risk too and if we can be right on the boids and the expels of the world that is where those companies pull up your overall portfolio and um you know produce the returns that anybody is looking for into the future to make them financially free and that's what we're trying to do i'll just say okay this. hopefully I'll that makes sense before yeah. we go on ask any great poker player whether or not it's a good idea to judge the quality of a decision whether it was a good or bad decision based on the result of that decision any <laughs> yeah. great poker player the will process tell you no. to get to that it's decision the process right? the that process. matters because yeah. there are other things yeah that can that can that are a factor that will change the outcome um that have you can't control right so you can only focus on the process and if you have a good process then over time your outcomes are far more likely to be positive yeah i mean there's you need to trust in that process and that's what we we refine that process over time but it's the process of coming to you know, those 15 to 25 stocks, each individual company within that portfolio has been used. We've used the same process to get to that investment recommendation. And that is key. We try to do that over time, refine that process, but stick to a stringent criteria. And that's what will make you successful over the long term, we believe. Now, Brennan, you're going to talk about an interesting company here came in from uh, Tyler, I believe. 
It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. It's uh, M-E-N-E on the TSX. Do you know how to pronounce that? Is uh, it mean? 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 It's like- This company's mean mug in us, right? It's like right? meme with, without the second M. But uh, Yeah, it is. But yeah, so this uh, came in from Tyler via email. Now, he says he's been following Mean since uh, they IPO'd. Uh, he's been in and out of the stock for some nice gains a couple of times. And uh, they recently announced a debt retirement uh, as well. Uh, they have posted some good year-over-year revenue growth figures and as well just uh, kind of tapped into some profitability here. And he wanted to know our thoughts. So uh, here you go, Tyler. Um, again, Mean Inc., M-E-N-E, on the TSX Venture, currently trading at a price of $0.58 cents and has a market cap of approximately $141 million. Now, Mean Inc. crafts pure 24-karat gold and platinum jewelry that is sold by gram weight through Mean.com. Now, customers may buy jewelry, monitor the value of the jewelry collection, uh, and sell or exchange their pieces by gram weight at prevailing market prices. Um, so essentially, Mean generates revenue when jewelry is sold directly from the company's website and receives a premium of approximately 20 to 40% of the daily precious metal value. Um, so it is kind of interesting. I, from my understanding, you could technically go to mean.com and depending on where the spot price of gold is on that week or day, uh, the, um, the value of their jewelry will also fluctuate. So now just looking at some recent news on the company, on March 12th, Mean entered into a debt retirement agreement with a private institutional investor where the company will uh, raise uh, about $5 million through an equity issuance um, and will also make an additional cash payment of $5.1 million to pay off debt, which uh, will make their balance sheet a little healthier. Uh, and after the debt retirement management announced that the company is now well positioned to deliver sustainable growth to shareholders in 2021 and 2022 without the need to raise additional equity or debt capital, which is good to hear. Now, looking at the company's recent financial results for Q3 of 2020, revenue is pretty lumpy, but Mean generated $5.4 million in revenue in the quarter, an increase of approximately 69% from Q3 of 2019. And adjusted earnings were a gain of 271000 up from a loss of 442000 in the same period last year. And after the debt retirement agreement that I mentioned earlier, uh, I estimate that Mean will have net cash and equivalents of approximately $3 million. So the balance sheet is looking healthy now. Uh, and the company has a trailing price to sales multiple of about 7.6 times, which is getting pretty pricey in my opinion. Now to conclude, First off, I think that it is a very interesting business idea of having Mean's collection of jewelry fluctuate with the spot price of the precious metal, uh, but still securing a premium over the current value of gold. Looking at the company's sales, there is some lumpiness, but the year-over-year -year growth has been impressive. Now, one thing that I would say is that, of course, since the business is just tapping into profitability, it does not fully meet our investment criteria, but it will be interesting to see if the company can string together several quarters of profitability and essentially prove its business model to us. Because right now, I think it's you know an interesting idea, but still yet to prove that it is a profitable business at scale. So right now, with it trading at a relatively pricey price-to-sales multiple and just tapping into profitability, it's not one that is a screaming buy in my book and we would stay on the sidelines, but it's certainly a business to continue to follow 
uh, and that I will be monitoring going forward to see if they can uh, get that sustainable profitability. It's certainly it's it's better than I thought it would be when I heard about the company and took a look at the financials. So debt on the balance sheet, which I don't like, what, about 15 million net debt? Um, I don't like that when the company's not profitable. But I mean, we're not talking about a, a massively over leveraged balance sheet. Uh, I tend to think that uh, companies that aren't making money shouldn't hold any type of sizable debt because how are you servicing that debt? How are you how are you servicing it? Um, paying the interest or, or, or whatnot. You're not making money, so you're not paying it out of out of profitability. But at least the fundamentals are improving. So it's something that we can look at. I see good revenue growth last year. Um, yeah, it's something we can we can look at down the road. Certainly. Brandon, did you say they now have a net cash position though? Or is they that... do after the, the raise, but Aaron is right. Okay. I mean, they still yeah, yeah. do uh, have some debt, but, but, but you're not wrong. After, I mean, after they... the recent raise. Okay. So yeah. I'm, I'm looking yeah. at their balance sheet as of the last quarter. Yes. Yeah. But still, no, yeah, you're, no, I, you're not wrong. I, I, like, I mean, like they, but, they have debt and they still need to pay off that debt going forward. And sorry, Ryan, go on. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just saying that, like Aaron said too, like the 2018, I believe, like was you know just under eight million in revenues, and 2019, 13, trailing 12 months, I think 18.6. So, good revenue growth. Um, you know, exposure to gold, people want that in a unique way, which you know, and it looks like a unique business model. Those things are all interesting. I mean, we look. If you want in the gold sector, I look at it relative to other companies. Now, this is not like I'm not going to tell say this name because it's in coverage, but we will look at the. Uh, the business behind another company that we're recommending now in that sector that is a Miller, right? So the, I, you know, the total revenue for uh, this company mean last year or trailing 12 months is about 18.6 million roughly, right, correct, Brennan? Correct. I believe yep. it's in that range. Exactly. Well, the company we're looking at has total revenue trailing about 86 million. So significantly larger revenue base. Uh, we are expecting to them to almost double that revenue this year. So almost double, you know, just under, you know, 80% re- increase, if not more. Um, in terms of the market valuations, the market cap, well, this company that we're looking at has half the market cap that Mean does. Uh, it will have significantly higher profitability, significantly higher revenues, uh, you know, 20 plus million in net cash on the balance sheet, pays a dividend. So it has that growth and there's expansion possibility. So that is why we're recommending that company, which will not be named here today, but it's in our full coverage over a company like Mean right now. Not as much consistent growth, but those are the relative valuations of those two businesses yeah. Yeah. on I, the gold segment. I have to actually clarify something here. In the last segment, I, I made the statement that I don't mind admitting when I'm wrong. I actually now have a chance to prove that I was wrong. Um, they actually have uh, cash and equivalents and short-term invest- investments of almost 18 million, and I believe about 20 million in debt. So not as much debt as what I thought. Uh, I was just looking at the cash and equivalents, wasn't looking at the short-term investments. I'm assuming that those are liquid. Uh, that those are liquid investments. Um, if, if they're investments in other securities like uh, TSX venture traded companies, then I, I would not include that in cash. But assuming that they're uh, short term money market securities, highly liquid, uh, I would I would include that in cash. So they actually have 18 million in cash, cash equivalents and short term investments and, and not five, as I originally said. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Admitting when you're wrong in real time, proving the point right there. I love it. 
as we do it live. Wow, we, we don't get to hear this very often. Do that we? doesn't oh, happen. Often. Well, it happens every day in the office. Well, and, you know, but I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Aaron's around. not wrong often. Well, I, no, I, I am. I just, I just try and cover <laughs> it up right now. I'm, I, I, I think <laughs> that, 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 that it's, it's being wrong and oh, okay. admitting yeah, it and, and learning from your mistake is an excellent opportunity. And that's how we, mm-hmm. that's how we grow. And it does happen sometimes. Aaron just grew as a person right in front of our eyes. Right that was amazing. Eyes, yeah. It's quite the moment. Quite the moment. I'm blooming Okay, over well, there. that's going to end off our show this week. Uh, live webinar dates coming up April 6th, uh, April 13th. Get your tickets now. We sold out in November. So, I don't know. I, I, you know, we don't promote these a ton, but we'll be sending off emails to all the all, all the people who listen to this podcast. Uh, it's a great, uh, you know, two hours to spend to try to be a better investor that's really what we're doing we're going to talk individual companies we'll talk our process our strategies and some of those hot topics that everybody likes new companies we're looking at there as well so i think it's a worthwhile seminar to attend webinar to attend and we look forward to seeing you all then and i look forward to again wishing you profitable investing that's great uh, i just also wanted to say to everybody oh. we really enjoy putting these these podcasts together we're glad to see that the number of listeners is growing uh if you if you like hearing the podcasts uh if you find this useful please whatever platform you're using share them like them uh hit the like button comment on them that kind of feedback that kind of engagement is what's going to encourage us to keep going and coming up with more ideas and more content for the podcast yeah. so thanks thanks you everybody for listening yeah profitable investing that's how great investors or (laughs) promoters we are of what we do yeah we should say that more often rate review it and uh yeah definitely you know if you hate us tell us you hate us on there but if you love us tell us you like us or if you're in between somewhere give us some feedback love us or hate us leave a comment yes thanks everyone thank you and profitable investing everyone